and know that when those things happen, you just get through them. Um, and that's just this, it's just this funny cycle of motivation that we're all going through. And uh, it messes up when we expect ourselves to be motivated all the time. That's not what training is about. Training is about training anyway and getting through the session as best you can, regardless of how motivated you're feeling. And I just have found we've been having really good, interesting conversations with people about it. Uh, it's a really good point for athletes to remember. This podcast is brought to you by Trivelo Coaching, where we help triathletes and cyclists like you train smarter to race faster. I'm your host, Jordan Donnelly, and on my left is former Australian Ironman champion and head coach of Trivelo Coaching, Jared Donnelly. When it comes to the morning of your race, how prepared do you feel? Are you ready to nail your best performance? In this episode, we reveal our ultimate race day playbook. We share our tips for preparing your body and mind for peak performance and hopefully a PB. Because when it comes to race day, it's almost impossible not to feel overstimulated by everything around you. Races and events are high energy. It's important It's important not to psych yourself out from everything that's happening. From equipment checklists to warm-up routines to nutrition strategy as well as your actual race strategy and mindset, in this episode, we're covering everything you need to know to prepare for your race properly. Dad, welcome to the episode. Let's start with our normal segment, What Are You Grateful For? Thanks, George. It is an interesting topic we've got today. Um, there's a lot to, to dive, dive, dive into here. Um, and uh, my gratitude is a, it's a, it's one that uh, most people have experienced over the journey and that's getting a new bike. Um, it's always a great day, isn't it, when you, when you have a... A new bike uh, that you've picked up from the bike shop, and uh, you know our relationship with Giant Australia. Most people would be familiar with it. Uh, we just been a long time partner and um, main sponsor of the podcast. Main sponsor of the podcast, and uh, and look, especially when we're heading to Belgium, pretty much in the next week or so uh, for the Spring Classics, which is very exciting, and I'm grateful for that too. That's two gratitudes in one one day. But I, I'm really looking forward to riding a bike that's very almost set up better for the spring classics for the cobbles than the previous bikes that i've ridden um at the spring classics so i'm quite excited to be on a better bike um this time around and it's, I'm, I'm interested to see what difference it makes to to riding a bike that's not really set up for spring classics and we all all see what the pro riders do and how they trick their bikes up to to suit the conditions of um, whether it's Roubaix or Flanders or you know any of the any of the spring classics that have got cobbles on it um, it is a different setup so um, so I'm quite looking forward to riding a bike that's actually possibly not going to cause my hands to be blistered for <laughs> for two weeks pro- uh, after the event because um, you know the, the vibrations on your hands um, you know on a bike that's very rigid would be different to a bike that's got a little bit more given it i think so um i'm quite grateful for for that from giant australia so thank you and uh and yeah look forward to um to testing it out uh, in belgium in a week or two what always surprises me is how the bikes actually survive because when you're riding on those cobbles it feels like there's literally a jackhammer going into the frame and you just think this bike is going to break at any second and it just doesn't and they're quite robust so uh, it's very impressive i've got to say joe before you go into your gratitude is when i very first hit the cobbles and and it was, I don't know, six or seven years ago when we first went over there in 2016 and um, we were coming around the corner and this was my first landing on a cobble. I could not believe how violent the bike was was just getting banged around and I thought, this bike is not going to last 10 metres. And <laughs> and I just I was in shock at, at how violent the, the actual ride was. Um, and of course I had the wrong bike, I had my tires too tight and so I was doing lots of things wrong, but geez, it was such a shock to my system and how, you know, you know, bloody violence is the only word that I can explain how, how it felt when I first hit that first set of cobbles and you were probably the same. I was telling you, I was warning you that's what's going to happen and yeah, yeah. you can warn me as much as you like and it still doesn't prepare you. (laughs) That's right. Uh, my quick gratitude is actually for our family dog, Millie, because uh, you went away up north to see the new grandson of the family um, last week and I went home and picked up the dog and I've been looking after the dog since then and it's just been really nice to have Millie around the house and uh, take her for walks and um, she's a very friendly dog and everyone loves to say hi and she loves everyone, so grateful to have had her for the week. What's caught my attention is – oh, I you actually go first. What has caught your attention, Dad? Um, yeah, but funny, whilst I was up uh, – 
in uh, the Sunshine Coast in Australia, in Queensland. Um, that's really, uh, really identified to me. They've got such high humidity at the moment, and I'm very not used to that. Um, and my Garmin was telling me I was two percent heat acclimatized, which, <laughs> which was a bit, a bit unnerving, really. Um, anyway, uh, I went out for uh, you know I was there for. 10 or 12 days and um, the second last day it was 100% humidity and it was 34 degrees and it happened to be the same day as the Malulabar Triathlon actually on the Sunday and I was out with your brother Liam um, and I just, it just hit home to me, you know, how we can underestimate the impact of heat um, and trying to train or race in the heat and we just, we just underestimate how, how we should be adjusting. Uh, according to the heat and you know what do I mean by that I mean if you want to ride for example 200 watts and you're in the Malulabar triathlon um, we were only doing zone two so it was quite straightforward but you know to give you an example my zone two power should be somewhere between 180 watts and 220 watts and that should give me 135 heart rate Um, because I've tested that at a max VO2 test so I know what my zone two heart rate is and literally 160 watts was giving me 135 heart rate which is way below zone two. Um, so I had to adjust and I was still getting the training effect. My heart rate was where, you know, at the top of the range, it's just that the power had to had to be dropped back. And that's an example of when I was talking to some of the athletes uh, who'd done the Malulabar race, they were saying that in a 10K run, they've never seen so many people walking in, a, in an Olympic distance because they hadn't adjusted to the heat. And if you're expecting to run six-minute K pace uh, and it's, you know, those conditions are horrendous, you should adjust to 610 or 615 or wherever your threshold heart rate is is taking you to. And that's where heart rate is really helpful as a metric. Um, and, you know, it, it's not the be all and end all, but it can be used on conditions where you actually need to pay attention to. Um, so the pace you're running at will be dictated to by your heart rate. Um, whereas normally, if the temperature is absolutely normal, you could you could rely on the pace to be the guide and the heart rate will be whatever it is. Um, but if you try and run six-minute K pace and your heart rate's 10 beats higher, you're going to struggle at some point in that run. So, yeah, that's what ca- caught my attention and, uh, yeah, just underestimating, um, you know, we all know and talk about it, but do pe- people actually react and do something about it? That's what I'm I'm trying to get the message home is, you know, yeah, we all know that, you know, it's hard to train or race in the heat, but what adjustments are you making? That's a really great point, and we we do yeah we do know it, uh, but we still get shocked when it actually happens. And um, like you said, you you just you forget, and you you expect yourself to be able to go normally, and that's the worst case scenario in a race when you are expecting to go to the exact same pace that you would do not in the heat, um, and you get the shock of your life. And really adjusting those expectations is absolutely key. One thing I want to bring up is that we've been having a lot of discussions lately, uh, and it does come from a few of the discussions we've been having on the podcast, but we've been talking to ourselves and other athletes around uh, motivation and cycles of motivation. And um, again, Lockie Morton, really, we had a great discussion with him about this on the podcast where he was talking about where in his career he'd lost motivation and where he's found it again and, and, and keeps finding, you know, or reminding himself where his love for the sport actually is. Um, and I was really thinking about motivation on a, on a macro level, right down to a micro level and really we all experience we just had after that episode I had so many athletes say to me um you know, they resonated with that so much you know where they go through periods where they're just totally not motivated to, to ride their bike and and the race goal just isn't doing it for them anymore and they and they when they go back to just riding their bike for fun and just going for an enjo- enjoyable coffee rides or social rides that gets that spark back a little bit you know and they go through a period of that and then they pick a race goal again and then they get super motivated and I think understanding this cycle and understanding yourself is really important and it does start at a, uh, a macro level and go down to a micro level and what I mean by that is I feel like you can get you can go through a motivation cycle within a single session you know at the start of the session you might be feeling pretty tired that day you've had a stressful day work's been busy um, that whole week might have been busy there might be a lot going on extra in your life and so that that actual session seems pretty tough and then once you warm up and you start getting into it, you find that kind of drive and motivation again and, and you feel good and you start to feel a bit better and the endorphins are coming in. And then you do the session and you feel really good. And by the end, you, you feel great. You're stoked that you did it as always. Um, it's a really satisfied and accomplished feeling. Uh, and in just in that one session, you've gone through a full cycle of motivation. And then throughout the week, that can happen. You know, you can have a pretty good start to the week, but by Thursday or Friday, once again, you might have had a long week at work. You might be uh, feeling very tired from 
um, the last few weeks of training. You get to Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, and you're just not feeling that motivated. And you just try and the goal is just to try and get through those sessions. Um, just get them done. You don't have to absolutely smash them. And then by Sunday, you've ticked off another good week of training and, and you've come full circle again and you're ready for another week. And so once again, that, that cycle is, has come um, up and down through an entire week. And then that relates to a, a block of training where in our example, we do two weeks on, one week off generally, or three weeks on, one week off. You might go through the first couple of weeks, you're a little bit fresh, you've come off a recovery week and you're, you're flying, you're feeling really good. But by week two or week three, you're at the end of two or three weeks of really hard training and you're really struggling for that motivation again. And again, the goal is just to get through those sessions and to get through that period. And you might get to the end of it, get to the recovery week and you're feeling fresh again and that motivation is back. And I'm just going to keep going with this, but then it applies to a total block of training, you know, where you've done a full 12-week block or you've done a full 16 weeks towards your race. And um, in that whole period, you're going to be going through constant cycles of motivation up and down and a lot of people get to their race, finish their race, and they're just as mentally exhausted as, as they are physically because they've spent 12, 16, 20 weeks so committed to a program. And it's where you really need one or two weeks off um, and you really need to freshen up and uh, refresh your goals and refresh your mindset um, so that you're not uh, constantly trying to achieve this high level of motivation and ending up burning yourself out. And I think my main point here is when you understand that these cycles happen tra- per training session, per day, per week, per block, per entire training program, you can just embrace it and not expect yourself to feel totally motivated all the time. Um, and know that when those things happen, you just get through them. Um, and that's just this, it's just this funny cycle of motivation that we're all going through. And uh, it messes up when we expect ourselves to be motivated all the time. That's not what training is about. Training is about training anyway and getting through the session as best you can, regardless of how motivated you're feeling. And I just have found we've been having really good, interesting conversations with people about it. Uh, and it's a really good point for athletes to remember. Yeah, um, I think you've said a, really, a lot of really uh, positive things about um, the the year um, and bringing it down to the day and to the session um, as, a, as a, a small package compared to the whole thing. And, and look, one of the examples I can give you is, um, you know, the guys who have signed up to go to Belgium with us, um, I, you know, there's, a, there's 11 riders and, and everybody knows that when we get to Belgium, you're going to need to have some level of fitness and not all 11 riders that we're going to go away with will arrive on on our first day's ride with the same level of fitness but but everybody knows that that's been a trigger and and that's the point I want to make you have to find triggers whether it's in the one session you're doing or whether you're aiming for an event or or a trip like we're doing with Belgium to make sure that you arrive uh, for the day session or the week or the block or the year um where you're going to be able to enjoy the actual event or trip or holiday training camp, whatever it is, main session. You just have to do all these things in your mind to, and I use the word trick your, trick yourself into uh, preparing. Um, and the, the level of your uh, excitement, and we call that word motivation, um, that's pretty much what it is. Are you excited to train today or you, you're just zero excitement? Um, and you've, you've got to use some sort of strategies to, to actually get your mind to concentrate on what you're trying to do for the, for the, the end goal. And the end goal might be that one session you're talking about is, can I do five by five minute efforts, um, all in the right zone. And, and so, you know, what are the tricks that I would try to do? I would look at what I did last week and say, okay, here's my target that I did last week. Can I match that? Or am I too tired to match that? Can I just get underneath that? So they're little strategies that you're using to to get the excitement level up or down. Um, and once you start the session, then you've got a clear understanding of my legs aren't good today. 245 watts that I did last week five times, there's no way I'm doing that. So I'm going to try and do 240. So instantly you're, you're having a discussion about to yourself about how you're coping in the middle of the session almost um, and rearranging your mindset to, okay, I'll just try and do all five efforts at 240. And then after the second effort, you're going to go one or two ways. 240 is going to be comfortable and you can go back to 242 or 245 or you're going to go three ways, sorry. You're going to go, this is all I can do. I'll stay at 240 the whole way or I'm going to fall back to 235, 230. And so they're just little examples of how you can just manipulate things in your mind and listen to your body and therefore you're going to have a, a, 
a level of motivation or arousal that's going to be really related to your feeling. Um, and the feelings create bad motivation and extremely good motivation. And, you know, we've got the bell curve of over arousal to under arousal where, where we want to find somewhere in, you know, on the way up and to the top and on the way down. So, so there's going to be so many things that, um, that are going to contribute to how we're feeling on any given day, on any given week, on any given block and any given year. There'll be periods where some years you just can't be stuffed about doing it, but you know that if you keep doing something, you'll still have a good level of fitness six months later and you're not starting from zero you're starting from 50 percent fitness and so you know there's another strategy that you know i don't feel like really training hard for the next three months but i know that in three months time i might feel differently and if i just keep something going with the fitness i'm not going to start from zero and and you know they're examples of what can happen over people's cycles of their of their recreation, whether it's a marathon runner or you know a long distance swimmer or a triathlete or a, or a cyclist or a time trialer. You know you've got you've got all these different sports where you have periods where you're not going to feel it like you are feeling it at some particular stages of your life. Um, and so the the big key thing that I think that we don't do well is we don't think the big picture all the time. Um, so if we, if we concentrate on the stepping stones of, of what can I do each day to just keep that ticking along rather than thinking my next event's not for 11 months, I don't need to do anything, you know, in the next four weeks. Whereas that's the wrong way to think about it. If I just keep ticking along really easy in the next four weeks and there's no hard stuff, I'm actually going to be better off in 11 months time. Um, and, and that's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to get that message across of, you know, if you think of big picture, um, then the, the small stepping stones along the way, that's easy to motivate yourself. All I've got to do today is go for a 30 minute run rather than, oh, this block of training, I've got seven, uh, hill repeats. I've got, uh, two sessions where it's intervals. I've got three sessions where it's this. If you keep thinking too big, then then you're going to be struggling with the with the day to day. So have the big picture as the end result, rather than rather than um, than I I can't do the training because the the sessions or the the main event's too far away, and all I need to do is concentrate on the day to day. So I think the point you make is really really a good one, and and it's something that um, if we can really uh, get in our heads that there will be good and bad periods along the journey and as long as you understand that that's what's going to happen you just need to have strategies that are going to that are going to enable you to get through each day and each session totally agree let's get into the topic of today and that is actually getting to race day and crushing your entire race day strategy because when you get to race day, you wake up, you're filled with a total range of emotions, excitement, nervousness, anxiousness, uh, motivation, as we've just spoken about, a drive to do well, uh, a hope that all your preparation has been good enough, um, anticipation of the result you're going to get, and there's so much involved. And on the actual day, we want to go through our blueprint of how to get the most out of the day and how to make sure that you're ticking off the things necessary to set yourself up for success. So before we get into the actual day, there's a few things that you have to make sure you've done before you get to the day, and that's but that's these are the things that you, we assume you do well, but we're not going to cover, which includes pre-race testing to find your um, race day goal numbers to stick to, uh, the taper phase, which is very important and slightly different for everyone, and of course, good preparation as a whole. You've done a good training program that's specific to the event. Uh, you've had good preparation in the days prior. You've had good sleep for a few days. You had good nutrition. You fueled up, and then when it's time to wake up on race day, I guess, Dad, take us through how you start uh, preparing. Uh, as soon as you wake up on race day, how do we make sure that we start start off on the right foot and do everything we need to set ourselves up for success? Yeah, I suppose the checklist is the key, isn't it? Um, uh, if you know, there's a lot of ha- a lot of things have to happen the day before. There's no doubt in my mind that that it's no good waking up and then just jumping into action. I, I think you need to go to bed calm that you've got everything that you need to race with the next day all sorted. And and we can list off fifty things in that checklist, you know. <laughs> bike, helmet, garmin, charged, batteries charged on your bike. Um, there's so many batteries on a bike nowadays with the gears and um, with a power meter and with your, your actual bike computer, your watch, your goggles if you're a triathlete, um, you know, making sure you don't leave anything at home, getting to the getting to the race with one wheel that's still sitting at home on the driveway that you forgot to 
put in the car when you when you were packing the bike, you know, forgetting your shoes, forgetting your helmet, all those things, they have to be done the night before. So you can go to sleep comfortably knowing that all you've got to think about is I need to get up at this particular time and work backwards from your start time. Um, and I'm a big believer in getting there way too early. I would so much be rather be there early than panic uh, because the drive and the parking, don't underestimate how, how that can flip your whole morning. Um, if you if the drive takes long and there's more traffic, and then when you get there, there's nowhere to park, and instead of getting there, you know you've allowed half an hour to get get yourself into the bike compound and get everything ready. Now you've got four minutes because you haven't been able to park properly. Um, so they're things you want to eliminate, and obviously the earlier you get there, the more parks that are available. And you know if you're lucky enough to get accommodation that's actually on the circuit, that is such a game changer. Um, where you can just walk out your door and walk to transition. Um, and, you know, there's so many, well, we just went to Huskisson and in uh, New South Wales and, you know, we, we, when we book accommodation, we try to get it as close to the, um, to the transition uh, area as possible um, so that you're eliminating parking. Um, and these are things that they're part of preparation, aren't they, um, that, that you need to get right. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't have any effect on your actual competition performance, but it does have an effect because it 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 creates more anxiety. And I I have that butterfly feeling in my stomach enough about the race that I'm going to do without I can't get to transition in time, running out of time. My stomach is just I'm feeling sick because I've left too late, not enough time to check my tires and get, get the nutrition and put my towel out properly. And, you know, these are all the things that you, you really need to not be panicking about because there's enough energy being wasted already with the thoughts about what's going to happen with your, with your actual race itself. So, so try to eliminate the anxiety and the, and the uh, energy expenditure because, you know, the more the adrenaline's flowing, the more fuel you're burning before you even start. So, you know, don't underestimate how how influential that is, and it reminds me of since I've uh, started using my aura ring again. My HRV reading, when I get to race day, my HRV always tells me on race day, "Don't do any exercise today. Your anxiety levels or your fatigue levels are through the roof. Um, your re- re- readiness score is is as low as possible." And I know that I'm ready to race well that day because because that's an you know, I don't know how it's doing it, but it's picking up my anxiety, my adrenaline, my my stress levels from wanting to perform well on the day. And I don't feel like I've got those high stress levels, but every time I come to a race day, my aura ring reads the same. And and in hindsight, I perform well, so I'm I'm not listening to the aura ring to tell me not to race today because I know that I do race well. It's just that you know there must be some stress levels being um, measured. In, you know, HRV is the the time between each heartbeat. So, so obviously that that adrenaline is affecting my my HRV number to a degree where um, it's telling me that I shouldn't be doing anything. So, so don't underestimate how important the the pre event uh, details that you have to uh, tick off uh, will have an effect on your your energy expenditure and your anxiety and adrenaline rush. I guess the main point there is that, like you're saying, you're already in a heightened state, adrenaline-wise, stress-wise. You you really want to minimize how much you add to that by being disorganized. And uh, it should be said that you don't. Everything doesn't have to go perfect for you to race well. Because if you get into that mindset, you start getting into way too many superstitions. Where if something goes wrong that day, suddenly you don't believe you can race well, and that's not true. And we've heard of plenty of athletes having really bad preparation, something that was completely out of control made them super late for a race or something, you can still perform well in that regard. But it's ideal just to um, not be in that position, be totally prepared, be totally calm, um, not waste any more energy and, and uh, give yourself the best chance of getting to the start line in an in a optimal state of arousal, not completely over-aroused and not under-aroused either. But it does start with the checklist that uh, we've spoken about a lot. And there's the equipment checklist. We break it down to two. There's the equipment checklist and then the timing checklist. And... We've said this before, we encourage you to actually have a physical checklist and it seems a little bit um, anal and it seems a little bit type A personality, but uh, to have a physical checklist either written down, handwritten, or you can have it in your phone. I use the notes app and it's got a little checkbox and you physically 
don't tick an item off until it is packed in your car or packed in your bag because it's so easy to, like you said, say that you've got it, but then you've left it um, on the stairs or something next to the driveway or you've left it on the bench because you mentally said you had it, but you hadn't actually packed it yet. So, you know, going through the process of physically ticking things off, it's like that NASA principle. You could almost get um, your partner or, or someone that you're with or someone that you're racing with to, to check for you that you've packed all this stuff. Again, that's getting really extreme, but that would be how to make sure that nothing is ever left behind. And then timing-wise, it's the exact same thing. It's, it's riding everything out to the minute uh, and allowing more time than necessary. So if you say it's going to take 20 minutes to get there, you might as well like allow 30 or 35 minutes just in case there's a bit of bad traffic, you know, and if it's going to take you 15 minutes to park, allow 30. And all these little things come up on race day morning once you get to the event is how long it takes you to walk there. There might be a line at registration that you weren't anticipating. You're not going to walk straight to the desk and get your number. There might be so many people that instead of taking four minutes, it takes 15. You might have to go to the toilet and you're only allowed five minutes for that. But instead, again, there's a big line, which happens a lot at big events where you're waiting in line for the toilet for 20, 25 minutes. And that is a stressful thing to go through. So having these two uh, checklists is is absolutely key. So once you get to the, I'll go on, Dad. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you. And I always, you know, you, you talked about the NASA example, but, you know, any of the pilots who have who've flown 200,000 hours, which is different to a, a NASA pilot who's probably only been up in space two or three times, but, you know, someone who's flown a plane, they just don't jump in the plane and say, let's go. They have to go through a checklist, which they've done, you know, if they've flown 50,000 50, times, that, that's, they don't take that for granted. They know everything that they need to do, but they still tick off the checklist. So we shouldn't be any different. Um, yep. and, and that's key. Yeah. So you get to the event uh, and what, what do you do from there? How do you make sure that once you arrive to the start line that you're um, really getting yourself as prepared as possible physically and mentally for the race? Well, the, you know, obviously – the, the first thing you've got to do is make sure and it, some events are quite different to each other. You know, some events you have to have your bike in registration overnight. Some events you bring your bike on the day. Um, so, so if you're in the second situation where you're bringing your bike with you, um, you've got to get your little area all organized and, you know, go and find where your bike is going to be racked and get your, your equipment all set out nice and neatly with your towel and your, and your, um, shoes, if they're on the bike with an elastic band, or if they're on the ground, you're going to put them on, um, your helmet and your sunglasses and your gels. And, you know, making sure that you then stand back and see where is my bike racked? What identifying features can I know that when I come out of the water, um, that I can just go straight to my row? And, you know, making sure and most of the rows are numbered. So if I'm on row 18 and I'm halfway down, um, I, I just remember at Huskinson, I there was my rack was parked right at the uh, the edge of the bike compound, and there was a tree. So as I was coming from the from the swim up this long, it was you know literally seventy meters long this bike rack, and I was just running towards that tree because I knew my bike was underneath it, and and I didn't waste another ten seconds worrying about where my bike was. Um, just little things like that are going to take. Um, you know, taking notice of where you are and then and then making sure that you have either asked someone or talked to someone or gone and found out where the direction is that you go from, from the, the grabbing your bike out of transition. You don't grab your bike and turn the wrong way. Um, you know, you, you're clear in your mind that this is the direction I have to go. There's the bike exit. And then, you know, that's the example of the bike. And then the runs the same, you know, coming back in off the bike, you know, there's the tree, there's where my bike's racked, get everything off and then where, which direction do I go for the run exit um, and knowing where the finish line is. And if you're in an age group competition where you, you know, you're trying to do a PB or you're trying to actually get on the podium, you know, not, not, not knowing that there's only 400 metres left instead of, you know, 40 metres, you know, that can make a difference to how much effort you put in in that last section of the run, if you're in that state where you're still running well, you know, you want to know where the finish line is exactly so that you can measure your effort from 2K out, uh, a K out and 500 metres out. You know, that can be the difference. You know, I've seen many events being lost by two, three, four, five seconds. So it is important to, to, to know where the finish is. Um, and of course, the swim start, which I, I missed at the start, is if we're talking about triathlon here, the swim start is is really crucially important to know which direction you're swimming, how many laps it is, where the marker boys are, um, and and having a real um, 
understanding of uh, when your actual wave goes in terms of the timing so that you can do your warm-up, which we'll talk about in a minute. But but you need to understand all those things. And that's no different to a marathon runner going to a marathon race or a cyclist going to a time trial or to a road race or a crit race. You've, you've got to have a time where your event starts and work backwards so that you're arriving at the start line. And the example would be an individual time trial where you have to go up onto a ramp you need to be there warmed up to the minute. So you, you should allow yourself maximum five minutes bef- from the end of your warm-up to standing there ready to go onto the, the start of the time trial ramp. Um, that's just an example. So getting the warm-up timing and, and actually all the equipment information and understanding of what, you know, what is the requirements of the actual race logistics, um, they're all things that if you get that clear in your mind, you know, in your warm-up, you're just concentrating on your warm-up. You're not concentrating on, oh, do I have to be back there? You know that I've got 25 minutes and you can warm up properly, concentrating on your pedaling, concentrating on your breathing, concentrating on if you're doing a run warm-up, you know, what pace you're running at, you know, and the jog back. You're concentrating on all those things that aren't going to be distracted by, I don't know if I've got enough time. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm confused as to what I should be doing next. And, and having that relaxed calmness um, it all comes from the preparation um, and getting all these things really down pat. And the more times you do this in in uh, in racing, uh, the better you'll be for your A race. So that is one of the things we talk about is doing some other races or training brick sessions where, you know, for example, we have some time trial races here in Melbourne where I run them as just a private race. There's no road closure or anything down at um, Beach Road. And and I'm giving people in an email the day before the start times. I'm saying, Jordan, your start time 6.30 a.m., my start time 6.31, someone else's start time 6.32. And I still see people not getting to the start line in this, this practice race at the right time or getting there with a two-minute warm-up. Um, and that's why you should be practicing this stuff in in training um, where, and using other races to to get things down pat. And and people say to me, why are you why do you want me to do this race? I'm saying, well, I want you to do this race for learning how to execute the race. That's first and foremost. And secondly, to get used to the strategies of the night before, the meal the night before, the packing, the the the, te- the checklist, and the getting up of the morning in time, and the the travel and and everything it takes to get yourself ready for the start of the race, they're just as important as actually the the execution of the day. Yeah, that is that is the importance of you sh- the checklist that you have on race day, uh, the logistical checklist for the equipment and things. It shouldn't be a new checklist for race day. It should be a previously used one that you know works because then it's 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 been done before and it was everything that you needed. And maybe for this specific race, you have to add some things into it um, that are new for this race, but it should be a well-established checklist that you, you've used before. The timing one might be a little bit different. You can use an old one based on how, much, how long things take you, but uh, the start time of races, how long it takes to get there and everything will be different per race and, and depending on your accommodation, where you park, how you get there, etc. But the beauty is, as you said before, studying kind of the areas of start line, finish line, transitions if it's a triathlon or if it's a, a pure running race or cycling race where the, where the starting ramp is and where you can and can't go is really important and they always provide this information in the course maps. They always give a, a course kind of briefing PDF that's sent out in email and that shows you uh, where registration is and where the start line is and where the, most importantly, where the road closures are. So you should be looking at those. And then once you get there, as you said, matching up what you've seen on the map, which you should have studied, to what's actually there. Because sometimes when you're looking on the map, especially for transitions in and out, the directions that you thought it was look a little bit different in real life. So you really do have to figure out, okay, where exactly am I going? Um, and the same thing for a warm-up. And that's you know figuring out where the road closures are. So where can I actually ride my bike if I'm going to do a, a ride warm-up? Where can I go for a run if I'm going to do a run warm-up? Where about to the toilets? And Unfortunately, these are all logistical things that aren't not much to do with your race, but ha- are so important to get you ready for your race. Um, and you just want to take all the thinking out of it. And you just want that to be not much energy spent on that. You're just following your checklist. You're following your timing list, all the information you've seen before, so that once you start your warm-up, um, you can really focus on the most important thing, which is getting your body ready for the race and then start mentally thinking about the race not thinking about everything else that's going on because as we said races and events have so much excitement around them there's so many fit people around people are doing their own warm-ups their own um uh setting up their own bike you know you might be looking around at someone else racking their bike and they have a really fancy bike they're racking it a different way to you you're, you're at a running race and some people have really fancy shoes um 
you always use the, the fit example. People will look really fit and you think, oh, I don't look as fit as them. And you just want all of that out of your mind and you want to get to the start of your warm-up and be able to focus on your race. So I guess what's your advice to athletes once they start their warm-up? What kind of mental processes do you want them to start going through? Yeah, I, th- I suppose um, we, we're just trying to eliminate all the distractions now. Once you've done all the, the logistics, which is what we spent the last 10 minutes talking about, um, that's all done now. Now you can concentrate on preparing your body and your mind for the task at hand. And it's really important that this is not the time to have a chat to, to someone you haven't seen for a while. You know, you have to be a bit single-minded here. The time for chatting is before that, during the setup process, when you're having a, you just, you know, in the compound and transition area where whatever's happening. But, you know, on the, on the time when you're trying to warm your body up, you actually need to get your mind in tune with what's going to happen once that warm up's finished. And I'm talking about doing the warm up properly and not going through the motions. Um, so get your, get your mind in tune with what the task is. And I need to be ready. And we've got so many examples of people who aren't ready for the race and they're spending the first five or 10 minutes of the race getting their body to a ready race phase. Um, whereas if you do your warm-up preparation right, you, the minute you, you start the timer on your watch, whether you're a runner or a rider or a triathlete swimming, you're actually ready to race at the pace you want to and not spending a whole chunk of the, the actual event getting your body up to speed. So this warm-up is quite crucial to to the actual event. And I've got that many examples of people who've done no warm-up and then really battled it early on in the event and then started to feel their legs halfway through. And it could be because they've got huge fatigue coming into the event, or it could be because their warm-up has been crap. We don't actually know the real reason, but predominantly, I would get most people who have not performed well have had a very poor warm-up. Um, and ironically, the people who have done well in the warm-up don't seem to have um, you know, that bad a, a start to their race. They, they hit their numbers straight away and they may fade later on if, if, they're, not, you know, if they're too fatigued from training up, up into the event or they're not tapered well enough. But, but that's a different scenario. So we really might want to make sure that your mind and your body is ready to go when it really matters and that's when the time starts of whatever event you're doing. Yeah, spot on. And I guess from here, um, let's say you, you do your warm up, which you would have practiced in training many times and, and practice races. You're getting your mind switched on. You're starting to visualize the race, how it's going to pan out. This is where your words of wisdom are really important. And I've heard you give what feels like thousands of pre-race pep talks now. What are the key things that you're trying to remind an athlete of that, that when they get to this point and they're somewhere between the last 5, 10 or 15 minutes before the race in that final part of the warm up phase, what do you want in their head that you've reminded them of the day before you've done the pre-race pep talk? What are the key things that you want the athlete focusing on? Yeah, well, the, the first thing is I want them to be that relaxed that they know that they've got a you know a really good plan in place. And you know, if you're standing on the start line of a fifteen hundred meter track event, or a, or on the beach for a for a half Ironman or Olympic distance, or you know, or a marathon runner or a cyclist who's standing there, you, you want to have a calmness about what's going to happen next and and then your your sole goal is to concentrate on the strategies that are required from that event that's what you should be thinking about is you know you've seen a, a skier um, in in the in the Olympics who's about to do a jump and they're standing there waiting for the jump and they're going through the routine I'm going to do that 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 in their mind they're just actually running over the routine of of their, their their tuck, their extension, their triple triple back, you know, somersault, and then the land. And having that over in your mind is going to give you some sort of uh, thing to focus on whilst you're standing there. Every some people want to talk to each other because they're they're quite quite nervous and it's nervous talking that's going on. You need to be you know not rude, but you need to be in your zone where you're just tuning into what's going to happen next. And and if you're a runner and you're on the start line of 1,500 metre and you want to run the first 200 metres at a pace that's not going to go at breakneck speed and you know everybody else in the race is going to run way too fast, you can be concentrating on that. And then, you know, you're thinking about what's going to happen next. That's 
you know, as a swimmer in a triathlon, you know, you don't want to sprint into the water and get your heart rate up, you, you know, unless you're an elite professional, then you need to do that to stay with the bunch because um, you've practiced that. But as an age grouper who's just trying to get through a, a, in a PB, you're trying to keep your heart rate even the whole way through. So evenness and, and efficiency to getting into the water and starting your swim, your swim pace at the pace you want to swim at for the whole duration of the 1500 or 750 or 2K or 4K, whatever, whatever the distance is. So your, your mind is, is totally focused on what is about to happen next. So you've got that calmness. I've got a race plan and I know what that plan is. Um, and then you've just got to think about how am I going to execute it? Just like the, the ski jumper, just before he does his jump, he's absolutely concentrating on what is going to happen in the next two minutes. And and that's as far as you should be thinking. You should be thinking, I am going to be starting this 1500 meter at this pace or I'm going to start this marathon at four minute K pace if that's what my pace is for the whole marathon that's my sole intent that I'm going to think about now if I'm a triathlete I'm going to think about the swim and then once I'm in the swim I'm getting towards the end of the swim I'm going to think about transition then I'm going to be on the bike thinking about my bike power then I'm going to think about transition again then I'm going to think about my running pace so so you need to think about what's happening to you um, not only down the track but in in the in the actual the now um, and so, so just before the race starts, you should be in that cone of silence where your thoughts are calm and confident that you've got this, you've got this race because you've prepared yourself and remind yourself of the hard training stuff that you've done. You know, the, if you're standing there in Ironman on the beach, you know, you've done a lot of training to get to that point. I'm presuming you've done the right training to get to that point. And if you have done the right training and you've got your race plan and strategy really dialed in, you should be very confident and very relaxed. Um, and all you should be concentrating on is what's going to happen in the next two or three minutes. Um, knowing that once you start the event, your mind is going to go into overdrive and you're going to concentrate on what my swim stroke's looking like. Am I following someone with the bubbles as a marathon runner? Is my first 500 meters at four minute K pace, or am I stupidly running at 3:30? Um, and they're the things that you should be concentrating on. Um, the in the moment thoughts that are going to enable you to get the end desired result, and not think about, I hope I get the end desired result, and keep saying that over and over again. How am I going to go? I hope I get the result I want. How am I going to go? That's what you're thinking about. Well, they're the things that are cause more anxiety, burn more energy, and stop you from concentrating on the things that are actually going to get you the, the desired result, which is the technical aspect of the swim, ride, or run that you're about to start. Um, and that's, that's kind of what the last bit before the race starts should be about. It's funny, and we talk about this a lot, but when you're nervous or you're anxious, it's because you're wondering if you're going to hit the goal or not. You're not sure what's going to happen. It's that almost that fear of the unknown. Whereas when you're process focused, exactly what you're saying, what is my plan? What am I doing in the next two minutes? You know, what am I doing in the two minutes after that? You're just focusing two minutes at a time or five minutes at a time or segment at a time of the process. It's almost impossible to feel that anxiousness or, or feel totally overwhelmed by it. Uh, because your mind just isn't focused on it. You're just not distracted by it. You're focused on the process at hand. Whereas if you're not doing that and you're focused on what you just said, you're all over the shop. It's interesting. Most of the people who get this right and after we have our post-race analysis, they'll say to me, I can't believe how quickly that race went. One minute I was in the water, just concentrating on my swim stroke and my breathing. Next thing I was in transition, I was on my bike and I was I was just concentrating on where I was on the course, was there was a headwind or a tailwind, what my power was, how my cadence was. And next thing you know, I'm I'm back in transition and I'm running. And all I've got to do is concentrate on my run and there's the finish. And you know, it's a half Ironman that's taken them four hours fifty, yet they said it went as quick as they've ever experienced anything. Why? Because they were focused on what was happening at at every single second of of the event uh, it, mentally they had their plan that they were just playing out the whole way through things that they'd learnt in their training and that we discussed before the event they were playing that out in their mind and then they were executing it physically in their body 
Now, we don't normally want to talk about uh, negatives or things not to do, uh, but in any case, in this case, it is important to remind people sometimes of, of mistakes to avoid and you do make sure you mention this to athletes and you say, I definitely don't want you to see you doing X, Y, or Z. So, what are those things that you're kind of reminding athletes just to avoid some key mistakes just to make sure it doesn't ruin their race? Yeah, I suppose the main thing is to, to follow your strategy and don't get put off. I do say this a lot. You will find, I'm going to use triathlon as an example. I could use marathon running. If your strategy is for a marathon to run four-minute K pace, we'll use that as an example, and the majority of the field in the first kilometer are all running between 3.30 and 3.40 pace, that means most of the field are passing you. And so that is quite off-putting. You start questioning, am I running too slow? What's wrong with me? But you've just got to remind yourself that no, you look down, I am running four-minute K pace. Every other percentage of the people in this race have got it wrong because not everybody can run 3.30 or 3.40, yet they're doing it in the first K. And you'll find that there'll be six or seven people who can run that pace if you're doing a marathon. And the, the other 1,700 are supposed to be running 4.30 or 5-minute or 5.30 or 6-minute. But because we all act like sheep and we're not concentrating on our own race strategy, they're just going with the flow. So that is one of the things that there's the biggest mistake is getting sucked into someone else's pace right at the start. And, and, and in running, that is that is really hard to do. Imagine you're in an 800 and you want to run four 30-second efforts and the, the, the bunch goes through the first 200 in 26 and you're 10, 15 meters off the back. It feels embarrassing. You, f- you, you feel like you're doing the wrong thing. But, you know, go forward another 600 meters and you're all, already fourth place coming into third, coming into second because you've measured your effort better. They're the things you have to think about when other people are putting you off by the wrong pacing. So, so it, you know, in any event that you do, when you get off the bike in a triathlon and you start running, you're going to find there's going to be people running faster than you. When you get out of the swim and start riding, you're going to find there's going to be people riding way faster than you. I give the example of when I first came back to do the Geelong, uh, I did the Geelong Aquabike and we're in the middle of the proper triathlon field and we start at the back of the field normally as an Aquabike uh, racer. And, And that's not to say there aren't any good Aquabike races out there there's teams and aquabike races so you've got some really good team riders um and it is off-putting because you might have some riders who who are really just specifically time trial riders they're they're we've got some australian title holders in these teams which is fantastic for the sport but they're riding 44 43 k's an hour and it is off-putting because you start questioning yourself am i going fast enough because that guy went past me pretty damn quick and in my example at Geelong was, it wasn't just one. I had the majority of people riding away from me. In That was my first race for a long, long time. And and I was questioning, I don't think there's something, there's something wrong with my power meter here because I, there shouldn't be that many people who are better than me as a rider. And it was a 90K ride. Because you're a 210 rider at Geelong, for example, which is in the top percentile of the field. I think I was 11th fastest on the day, but I didn't know that till the end. I, I just presume – I was saying to myself, boy, the standard of riding has improved in triathlon. That was what I was thinking. And I, this is where I am. I'm I'm staying at this number because this is the number I'm going to race at. And and we had a tailwind out for the first um, – I think it's 20K out and 20, 22K out and 20, 22K back. So it was tailwind out. And it, as we got to the turnaround, I, I think I'd had four or 500 people pass me. Um, and, and as soon as we got to the turnaround into the headwind, that just changed. I just – I just rode past, back past those people um, and continued to. So the, the majority of the people who were passing me were finishing at 2 hours 30, 2 hours 40, 2 hours 50 even, and they should have no right to be passing me at the start. And and that is off-putting. So that's a mistake that you can make is people are right. I start to ride a little bit faster than I should be because the people around me are. And, and that's a huge mistake that I really drum into people is, you just ride your numbers early and if then you are able to ride harder than than your plan is without risking catastrophe then do so but but don't do it at the start and that is the the key message i'm telling people we've got a plan for a reason 
don't throw it out, you know, after five minutes because the rest of the field is running away from you. Trust the process. These are your numbers. These is what you've. This is what you've trained to. Don't have numbers that you're 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 racing above that you that you know you're capable of doing. That's later on in the race. That's when that comes into play. You want to do a PB, but you won't do the PB by doing a PB in the swim, or doing off the start line as a marathon runner running three thirty and and you know expecting to be able to hold four minute K pace when your first two or three K is three thirty, because the last four or five K in a marathon will be five minutes or six minute K pace. That's what's going to happen. You know, so so they're the, they're the, that's probably the key thing that I I want every person out there to to think about. It's okay to be getting past, and the other people's pace is not your pace. And if you think that just because the majority of the field are doing it, they must be right, think again. They're actually mistaken. You're in the minority. I really want to finish off and just touch on self talk and. Um, usually as athletes, we're very good at pushing ourselves and most athletes out there don't need uh, practice with pushing themselves to their limit. Um, we're very good at that. We do a lot of training, a lot of racing, pain, pushing through pain, but self-talk is so key and there will be points in races where you hit um, a place where mentally you have to be just as strong as you are physically because it's really hurting. You're in a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort and what you're saying to yourself in those moments is really, really important and it will depict your body language. It will depict the level of pain you're feeling, uh, your pain tolerance. It will depict your performance and we know that every time you get to the last 200 meters or 400 meters or 800 meters, you get this fresh wave over you and you suddenly you just feel a little bit lighter and a little bit better and you can finish and we don't want that to happen necessarily. We want you to be able to do that to yourself uh, in the middle of the race and in that third quarter period when the race is at its absolute hardest and that comes from practice but really understanding the power of what you're saying to yourself and the language you're using with yourself will depict, you know, whether you're running in absolute agony um, and your, your form is going out the window and you're talking down to yourself about how hard it is compared to even though you're struggling, that's you're not going to ignore that fact uh, that the amount of, you know, talking give yourself to dig deep and keep going can get you that, that extra bit of time um, that could help you run a PB or race a PB. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point you make. And look, we just had an example of it at uh... – um, at a race in South Australia with one of the athletes that we coach um, and Lynn won't mind me mentioning her name but she actually passed the the leader in her age group in the last few kilometres and, and that's the time to race. That's the time to step up. When the challenge is thrown out at you, it's all very well early on the race where your fatigue's low, you're mentally in tune, everything's going well but there's going to be periods whether it's a short period or a long period of time where you're going to be challenged and it could be challenged from in within yourself as I'm struggling. I don't know if I can run another step uh, at this pace. I'm going to have to slow down. Um, and if, if the reasons you're having to slow down are, are out of your control, like you're physically ill or, or you're getting injured or you've got a stitch where you can't do much about it. Um, but if it's just that you're getting tired these are the times where you want to step up. These are the times when you want to be – this is when you're going to be tested, not when it's easy. You want, to, you want to be a person who knows that, okay, it's getting hard now. This is where I need to, 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 to prove to myself that I, I am up for the challenge. And, and I was just so pleased that, you know, the way Lynn really just stepped up and saw the target and was so so motivated to to get to the top of the to the age group there's there's where it is there's where i need to be and and i think only one by 13 seconds or something um over five plus hours you know that's how important it is to to be ready at any given point to step up and that takes a lot of concentration um the physicalness is important you have to talk yourself into being able to, as you said, we, we, we're all heroes when we've got 200 metres to go. Um, or some of us can be at, at that level where we can really finish strong. But but it's, you know, 4K out. Are you still that, that hero that can, that can push the pace that you're supposed to be pushing that could be the difference between your own per personal PB and or improving your position in the field? Um, and they're the times where we just want to, we want to be known in in our own mind as, yeah, I know when it's going to get tough. I, I know I can I know I can stand up and and be counted when I'm being asked, and 
And you don't want to shy away from that. That's the challenge that you're that you're in the event for, you know. And boy, is that a good feeling post race when you look back and go, "Geez, I was challenged here. I'm just so proud of myself for actually being able to step up and do what I wanted when it counted." And I think that's what brings you back. You know, you want that feeling. I was challenged and I came through it and I did a PB and and even if I didn't do a PB, I just, I was able to finish off the way that I, I'm really proud of myself and, and you know, every time that challenge comes, you know you've already ticked it before and you're up for it and so, you know, you can then push yourself a bit better each time because you know you, you're on top of these things um, and I think that that self-talk, that uh, that having the right right mindset, and I, I, I got another example of uh, I still remember seeing some footage of a race um, where the the guy who was really everything was upsetting him. He was coming to the drink stations and screaming out, "I want Gatorade!" And someone handed him water, and that's not running Gatorade, that's water, and throwing it cup down on the ground, and and that was more about his falling apart mentally and physically um and using every distraction to 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 that was upsetting him stop, and, stop and he, blaming on he was blaming else. the rest of the world for his failing and you know the calmness of the guy who was winning was just ticking along um you know in control mentally tough and not getting upset by anything that was distracting him and plenty of things can distract you that that aren't going your way that someone hands you the wrong drink you know you just got to go with the flow and 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 be positive that I've got this and and you know the minute you start thinking about things that are going wrong that's a downward spiral um so you need to be thinking about the opposite how am I how am I going to keep tricking myself into I'm going okay you know, I'm just going to run with really good form here. And if I get the wrong form, I could trigger some cramps. So I've got to run really well with foot placement and and the lean of my body in my running action needs to be like this. So my diaphragm is not getting compressed and I can breathe properly and I'm making sure the nutrition that I pick up at, at the aid station, you know, if I have to stop, go back and get the right nutrition if someone's handed me the wrong stuff. So there's always ways around it that you have to think through to enable you to get the best outcome rather than just losing the plot um, and having negative thoughts and the eventual outcome will be a, a disastrous result. I would like to mention one strategy and it's David Goggins' one second rule. We know we love mentioning him on here, but I just think this is so powerful. And he just says in those moments where you're just not sure if you can keep going, you're, just, you're full of doubt and your body's screaming at you, he says, I don't know if I can make the entire thing. I don't know if I, you know, he talks about in his ultras where he's 160 kilometers in. He's got he's got 40 kilometers to go, you know, in a 200-kilometer race. You just go, you are absolutely at your wit's end. You can you can barely go another step. And he's going, how am I supposed to do another 40 kilometers? And he says that. He says, the one-second rule is I don't know how much longer I can go for. I don't know what my absolute limit is, but I know I can go for one more second. And at this point, I can go for one more second. And it's just one more step at a time, one more second at a time. And if you've got 6K to go in your in your Ironman or your half Ironman and you you are on that limit and you think this pace is going to be so painful to hold for the last six kilometers, you don't think about the whole six kilometers. You just think about one second at a time. Just hold this pace one second at a time. And when you keep doing that, suddenly you find, oh, 500 meters has passed again. Now there's only 5.5K to go. You just keep going one second at a time. And I just really love that principle. I think that's a good strategy to use to practice in training and racing. To think that we're going to go through an event and I don't care what your sport is, where you're not going to be challenged, you're naive. You are going to be challenged at some point, whether it's a mechanical challenge, a physical challenge, or a mental challenge. There's going to be something that that isn't going well. And and there, ironically, is very few experiences where people have just gone through, sailed through events, and got the outcome they wanted. And that they're the they're the days that you you dream of. And and it does happen. But believe me, the majority of people are going to be challenged that. I don't know if I can actually finish this event and and I'm physically at my limit. And, you know, I think I've told a story where I did the Stratford to Dargo road race where I fell off my bike and I don't remember any of it. Um, falling off the bike on this climb um, and getting up and walking up the hill with my brother in the car behind me yelling out, are you going to ride your bike or are you going to walk to the finish? And that's that's a mindset that I look back on with with almost pride that 
my determination was so overriding everything else. Well, if the bike wasn't going to help me, I was going to walk. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a, a mental approach that you can have no matter what. And if you think like that, there's hardly anything that's going to stop you. And and you can you can have that mindset of, of strength and toughness, but to a point where it's got to be not unhealthy. Um, and I look back on that going, well, that's a little bit unhealthy. That's going way beyond the level of, um, of where you should be pushing yourself. Um, but it just proves that I know that I can push myself way more than I thought I could. Um, and and it, from that point on, I don't have fear anymore about my ability to tough it out when it gets tough. And, and I don't like to boast about that, but that I think that is a strength that you can have and develop in your training and in your racing um, that, that no matter what happens to you, you can deal with what's thrown at you. And I think that that probably would sum up um, how best to, to, uh, to go about, you know, something that, you know, you're trying to prepare for. Um, it has to be not only a pre- preparation, but the actual doing in the event. That's a great way to finish. As always, thanks for listening to this episode and we'll see you on the next one. Mm-hmm.